Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to Truest Blood, the official True Blood podcast. I'm Kristen Bauer. And I'm Deborah Ann Wool. And you've been invited in. Welcome back to Truest Blood, where we sink our fangs into the series episode by episode. This week, we get hooked on episode, what is it, Kristen? 107. Yay. <laughs> Burning House of Love, written Ooh. by Chris Offit and directed by Marco Siega. Bill clarifies some vampire myths for us. Mm-hmm. Right. And in the bathtub there. And Jason <laughs> takes a trip to Fantasia, where he meets an alluring new character, Amy Burley. And we'll break down that riveting exorcism scene. Mm. We'll talk about how it was filmed, as well as how the power of belief plays into our story this episode, which leads me to our wonderful interview with Aisha Hines this episode, the, the exorcist herself. What a great interview with Aisha. Her audition story and the specifics of filming in the bus. I can't wait for everyone to hear it. But first, as always, this week on True Blood. Compton House is at a steamy 107 degrees Fahrenheit, and that's not including the raging fire and muggy Louisiana climate. It's all Sookie and Bill as they consummate their love and cap it off with a romantic bubble bath, basking in their newfound connection. Is it always like this? No, it is not. Sookie, feeling safe with Bill, confides in him about her Uncle Bartlett's unforgivable behavior toward her when she was a child, which leaves Bill looking murderous. Letty Mae continues to pressure Tara into funding her exorcism, and Tara finally gives in, seeing just how much pain her mother is in. I do not want to live like this no more! I can't! Tara gathers up her savings and takes her mother to see Miss Jeanette, who performs the exorcism in a bus by the side of the road. But the experience is powerful. As they leave, Miss Jeanette warns Tara that she has a demon of her own, and it's far more dangerous than her mother's. Jason, now hooked, goes looking for more V. And when Lafayette turns him away, he tries Fangtasia, where Pam can smell a hick from a mile away. Your mama know you're out in the big city. Well, mama's dead. So am I. Let me see some ID. There he meets Amy, who whisks him away before he can get himself sucked dead by angry vamps. They go back to his place, and she opens his mind to all the possibility that V possesses. The next day, Andy and Terry are fishing when they see a naked Sam running through the woods. But more on that later. Sookie, still bouncing with hormones, has a rude awakening when Bill's old vampire friends, Malcolm, Diane, and Liam, saunter into Merlots, causing quite the stir. Bill, busy feeding Uncle Bartlett to the gators, senses Sookie's fear. He arrives just in time, but surprisingly leaves with the vamps. I am not human, Sookie. I am vampire. Sookie senses this is a strategy to get the others to leave, but when Royce and his buddies burn the vamp nest to the ground and four caskets are recovered, she can't help but worry that Bill might be among them. So we get a nice little tutorial there, Deb, a vampire mess in the bathtub. 
Right at the beginning. I like that. It was, it's a fun, cheeky conversation for vampire fans. <laughs> yeah, it's cute. It's like the dating banter yeah. after you first had <laughs> sex. It's like, so anyway, where'd you grow up and whatever. Yeah. It's like, so garlic. <laughs> <laughs> I know it is. It's very cute in that way. Yeah. Um, but it is. It's really fun. Uh, again, as like a horror movie fan who grew up on all those sort of old vampire myths, uh, you know, the idea that... Uh, you know, that, yeah, the holy water is just water and crosses are just geometry. Mm-hmm. Um, I especially like the reflection one because Bill sets it up as a protection device. Right. That this is something we put out there so that we could prove that we were human. Um, yeah. And it's, it's such a smart, you know, defense mechanism. Yeah, that they like all these myths to keep them safer. Yeah. I'm just realizing, too, that I sort of, I'm like, do I really have sex with people before I know where they're from? <laughs> she knew where he was from. He's from here. Yeah, no, but I, I was like, you know, it's like when you have sex and then you're like, oh, so where are you from? Right. No, I don't do that. I just want to be clear to the audience. Kristen doesn't do that. Kristen knows where all of her partners are from. Yeah, before I have sex with them. Yes. <laughs> My banter after sex would be different. My getting to know you va- banter. Yes, I was going to call it vamper. Ooh, well, that is right up Vantner. our alley here. Vant, Vanter. Vanter, thank you. <laughs> well, I think one of the other fun things about it that we we talked about is that when Siki goes to work the next day, she's positively glowing. She is. <laughs> this is the, I've never had sex that good. Can I just. My goodness. How, I mean, this is clearly I've never had sex with a vampire because. Apparently. I was watching this thinking, so wait, her grandmother died like two days ago and 36 hours 36 hours ago and then the funeral was yesterday Mm -hmm. and wow yeah she is in a good mood um and it's definitely (laughs) she is she's in a better mood than i've ever been in in my life i think she goes to work and I think you know, right. it's it's not surprising that everyone around her is kind of looking at her strangely. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's one of those things that is a really different experience when you're watching it week to week when it first came out versus binging now. Yes. And you go, oh, it's been a really short period of time. Yes, that's true with binging. You're like, I just watched Grand's funeral yeah. five minutes ago. And she goes to work. That is a funny thing, too. She goes to work like most people wouldn't go to work the day after their grand's funeral or 36 hours after. I feel like (laughs) Sam would be like, hey, you know, you don't have to be here. Right. (laughs) Why don't you go home and like, you know, spend some time with your family and your friends and those things. But it's just very, very funny. But that's episodic TV for you. And once again, Anna just rises to the occasion and completely brings it home and sells it. It's amazing. I even like even Lafayette is sort of skeptical of this bright mood. Yes. I don't know. So I just think that when there's blood involved, a line been crossed. Oh, I definitely crossed a line, but glad I did. Well, you go ahead on, hook it with your bad ass. Good for you. It ain't possible to live unless you crossing somebody's line. <laughs> oh, it's a pretty perfect. It, you know, it's not possible to live unless you're crossing somebody's line. I know. Uh, it's good uh, theme for this show. I feel it is a good theme for the show, and it's a good theme. I I keep learning life lessons now doing this podcast because I think <laughs> true, you can't keep everyone happy all the time. Yeah, yeah. When I think, you know, she's at least crossing, you know, her own her own lines a little bit and starting to step out of her comfort zone. Yeah. Jason is also stepping out of his comfort zone mm-hmm. as he heads to Fantasia because we we go back there and we have my favorite line of the episode, <laughs> which we uh, highlighted in the recap. I love that, Kristen. Do you have any memories or stories from that day? I do, because I showed up there down in Long Beach at night and Alex was leaving mm-hmm. he is done for the evening and he was at craft service loading up on some to-go food <laughs> and it was the first day I think he had used his fangs first that day as well or recently mm-hmm. so I said to him I've got my first day with my fangs talking with my fangs <laughs> and he goes oh yeah I just did that and I said how is it is it easy and he put his head like he was going to nod yes, like a big yes. And he went, no. 
And and I so when I got to makeup, I said, "Are my fangs here? Can I try the fangs before we shoot?" And they said, "Yeah, yeah, sure." So they went to get them. They put them in my mouth. And I was like, "Wow, they're f- really freaking big." <laughs> and and then they had me smile to match the color to my yes. teeth. So they took them immediately to change the color. And I said, can I have them back when you're done so I can practice talking in them? And they said, yeah, yeah. So then I get to the set, no teeth. So I said, can I, my teeth here? Could I try my teeth? And they said, well, (laughs) we're going to just do the part without the teeth first. Okay. And no one told me how this was going to go. So I did the take and then they said, hold for the teeth. Now, I don't know what's happening. They ran in, <laughs> put the teeth in my hand, said, put them in and just do the dialogue with the teeth in. And so I said to Jason, you are nothing like your sister. <laughs> and the entire, there was a pause, Ryan and the crew and the director, I hear all this laughing. And they said, okay, cut, cut, cut. Give her a minute with the teeth. So (laughs) you're like, that's all I asked for. (laughs) And I'm like, holy shit. So I am trying to figure out where to put the teeth in my mouth. Right. Like how to get your lips around them. How to get your lips around them. Should I tuck them between my bottom lip and my bottom teeth? Or where where can these live where I won't sound like ridiculous? And because you're supposed to be cool and immortal, not (laughs) my whole, I mean, that came crashing down. So (laughs) later, years later, I went to you and Steven because you were always Uh the best with the teeth. Steven said, you have to just take the pain. There's no place to put them. Yeah. You just have to let them dig into your bottom lip and it hurts. Yeah. We all have little calluses on our (laughs) lower lips. And that was the thing I really never really learned. So that line, you're nothing like your sister, they didn't use with my teeth then. Yes, they had you bang out after that line. They had me bang out after that line. (laughs) But come on. I mean, that's a particularly tough one with a lispy, you know, quality to do. So You're always so kind because you, right now, if I made you get your teeth, you could do that line without lisping. I think they're sitting over there. You could totally (laughs) do that line without lisping. It's been quite a few years. I might be out of practice. You might. Yeah. Anna used to always come over to me when I had my teeth in and say, say Sookie Stackhouse, just to laugh. (laughs) It's the freaking worst. Her name is the hardest name to say with the Thuki Thakov. Thuki Thakov. Thuki Thakov. How do I get my listen, Thuki? Yeah, so that was my Fantasia moment. (laughs) Well, I do love, I love also how easily Jason is glamored. That feels so on brand for him. That like Pam, almost no effort. She just kind of tilts her head the other direction yes. and he's instantly under her spell. That was another uh, thing I had to ask. No one yeah, told me. I yeah. said, hey guys, how do you, how do we glamour? How is that established? Is there a system to this? Yeah, yeah. So that's what I did from what they said. And it is great. It fits perfectly that Jason yeah. and then hits on me. Yeah. Like, oh Jason. What are you doing afterwards? Yeah. Oh really? <laughs> Seriously? Oh, it's too funny. It's too funny. It it is kind of wonderful to see Jason who, you know, most women in Bon Temps are putty in his hands. And yet when he comes to the big city, it's a whole other ballgame with the sexy vampires. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I love that line. I do love that line that it's so great. mm -hmm. It's so perfect. And it's, you know, it's it's just the right kind of joke. Um but yeah, so Jason now, you know, gets into Fantasia. He's making all of the wrong moves. He's drawing <laughs> far too much attention. He's 100% going to get himself killed until Amy Burley comes and saves the day. Yeah, I know. Speaking of, he's potty in most humans' hands, women's <laughs> hands. So she, she's attracted to him, clearly. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they they immediately form a connection because she realizes that because he's so overt about it that he's looking for V. <laughs> he is. And that's something that Amy knows something about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting to see actually that the sort of descent of Jason into that, mm-hmm. that he 
you know, Lafayette, who was one of his closest friends, and they have all of these, you know, comrade moments, you know, and now he's to the point where he's pissing Lafayette. Lafayette had to get physical with him and, yeah. like, throw him out of his home. Yeah, and he goes and he tries to steal from Grant and Sookie. Yeah. Um, you know, and now going to Fantasia, I mean, he's on all... We start to really see his addiction take off i think you know yes. we you know we saw bits of that in the last episode and now he's really making these rash decisions mm-hmm. it was set up really well as we see his how he dealt with loss his experience with v it it really makes sense to me well of course ryan is also so wonderful i mean he just makes yeah. jason make sense always yes yes Jason does not make sense without Ryan Quant. That's I think, exactly in many it. ways. Uh, you need a Ryan Quant in that role. Yeah. But you know, I think part of what it what is so wonderful and explosive about the pairing of Amy and Jason is that, you know, you know, we're gonna talk a little bit about belief yeah. in this episode and how how belief adds to our experiences. Yeah. And for Amy, you know, Lafayette made V sound seductive and mm-hmm. sexy, but it was still just drugs, right? right? Amy makes this makes it this religious experience that her belief in the power of the experience makes that experience even greater. You just know this is what Holy Communion is symbolic of. This is a real deal here. Not lame ass empty ritual. This is nature's greatest gift. I mean, the dialogue with her delivery is so incredible. It's so good. My spine. Right? <laughs> like, oh, chilly. Yeah. When again, you can see, you know, Jason, who is often putty himself, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, but even then, I don't blame him. Again, I feel I her influence. I do. I was going to say, and, it makes me want to yeah. do it right now. Yeah. When she, you know, we're going we're gonna to learn so much about Amy Burley yeah. as these episodes go on because she's so much more even than we meet in this first episode. Yeah. But there are hints of it, these little hints of sort of what what her brain has done mm-hmm. to V and to her life mm-hmm. and all this idea. You know, she calls, she's like, oh, Jason, you're so authentic, you know, right? like his old TV, his truck, yeah, you know, like truck. she's, you know, yeah. she's created this sort of fantasy around him yes that's the opposite of her upbringing no but it it is really fascinating to see how he just like what i think the way i said it once is like it's like jason's back in school but now the teacher's hot you know (laughs) (laughs) so he's like into like all her brainy shit you know um and also because she doesn't make him feel bad yeah for not being into brainy shit um but some of her lines crack me up so much. Again, you're right on. It's her delivery yeah. with the line because they're kind of ridiculous when you read them on the page. And even as I was watching, I was just laughing. And it's oh, it's just what's so amazing right. is that I did not notice or think her lines were ridiculous until <laughs> I saw them on the page. And you commented <laughs> on that, and then I was like, yeah. "Oh my god, how did she say?" That How did she line. do this? How- they must have been cracking up yeah. every other sentence. Because I would see that script come through my mail slot and be like, oh, dear, how am I going to ground this? <laughs> but I never thought that when I was watching her. Not once. No. By taking the blood of the night into our bodies, we water the flowers of our souls. Nothing is real. Everything is permitted. Even now, I, <laughs> I mean, can't quite keep a straight mean? face. What does it even mean? What does it's that even so... mean? By taking the blood of the night. Okay, okay. All right, blood of the night. That's we vampires. Water we water the flowers of our souls. <laughs> Nothing is real. Right. Okay. Nothing. Well, okay. Everything is permitted. It's like, cool. I'm just going to be high. Which explains a lot, right? Like it gives her permission to be whatever she wants to be, whatever suits her. It's definitely the LSD crowd. Yeah. That this is, this is an archetype Mm -hmm. or a, a, a sort of identity that we see in the real world as well as in the world of truth. Yeah. 
For sure. I saw it. Well, and now for a quick bite, a guest star spotlight. Randy Sue, Jason's latest fling, is a small-town divorcee newly single and looking for love in all the wrong places. She is played with pitch perfection by Danielle James. From her accent to her posture to adjusting herself in the payphone reflection, Danielle's performance is so fully realized you'd think she and Randy Sue might have a lot in common. Think again. Danielle James was born in the United States but was raised all over Europe, places like Paris, London, and Barcelona. As a result, she speaks four languages, graduated magna cum laude in Paris, and has performed all over the world, including on Broadway. More recently, she has added producing to her resume as well. So here's to Randy Sue, who never held back, and to Danielle, who never did either. I guess they have a lot in common after all. Here we go. <laughs> that was rich, that scene. Really, really was. I, right? I, And it's one of those ones where, you know, like so much on True Blood, yeah. it's so out there, it could really fall either side of the line. Yes. And this one falls onto the, like the deep side, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've learned a little bit about how they shot it, because there's a lot of interesting mm-hmm. things going on here. Um uh, we can jump right in with, you know, where they found this bus. <laughs> yeah, wasn't it sort of by happenstance? Like, yes, they saw it by the side of this road. They were on a, a location scout and they had some idea in their head that it should be a bus on the side of the road. But as they were driving <laughs> to the location they were interested in, they passed an old VW bus on the side of the road, buried in this, and just like literally what they were looking for. Oh my god! And I think they just said, "Whoa, pull over!" And that's where they ended up, quite literally, shooting the exterior scenes of the bus. And then they built the bus um, on set later, which we will hear Aisha Hines later today uh, talk all about her experience shooting in that set. It's so challenging, you know, when we build sets. There are walls that can be removed mm-hmm. because you've got to, the cameras are huge. They're they half are. the size of a dining room table. <laughs> so to get the camera, I mean, they can put it on their shoulder and do steady mm-hmm. cam. That's not mm-hmm. easy for the camera operator. No. So to get in this bus with three well, humans. And to also get dynamics, right? Like you don't want right. just a stable camera. You want uh, angles and you want movement and, you know, right. doing all that in a little bus. Very challenging. So challenging. And and these actors sell this stuff. Once again, Oof. I just love actors because they, they Adina, all of them, Oof. they sell it. They sell it. They I mean, believe they were there, it. Absolutely present. Absolutely in full belief of mm-hmm. this moment. Um, the only character that did not believe in the moment actually was the possum. Uh, right, right. The possum was the most problematic actor on set. <laughs> so the tidbit that we got about this is they needed the possum to react fearfully. But mm-hmm. if you know anything about possums, they don't react fearfully. They play dead. They play right. possum. <laughs> right. So every time they tried to kind of elicit a reaction from the possum, it would just roll over and pretend to be dead. <laughs> So I'd like to do that as an actor yeah, someday, right? I'm tired. So just be like, I'm just gonna, I can't get it. I'm, just, I'm sorry. Yeah. Can't, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling I'm it. Feeling I'm feeling threatened. Gonna, I'm just going to play dead. So they, they were, you know, take after take after take, and they finally got one close-up shot of it hissing or giving yeah. them something, and they just made the most of that one shot, uh, and that was the possum's big moment. That was the possum's big moment. Now, is it opossum or possum? I have always said possum. I think I don't know. I'd have to I'm, Google I'm that. not enough of a of, of a scully to know the answer to that off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, because it's always funny to say opossum. There's an opossum or possum. I'm going to Google oh, that. Possum. Yeah, it's really um, confusing. But it is. they also used an animatronic possum. Yes. Because I was watching that thinking, boy, that looks awfully real. Did they Ooh. really terrify this poor thing and then pull it out before it was drowned? Nope. 
They did not. No animals were harmed during the making of this exorcism, during during this exorcism scene. Uh, yes, they had an animatronic in the cage so that when they went to drown the possum, it could obviously the animatronic did a much more uh, <laughs> was a much was a much better collaborator much, yes, yes. than the real possum. <laughs> yes. And responded as aggressively as they needed during the drowning. Uh, the other fun tidbit are the crone stones, as oh, they're called. Oh, yeah, those are neat. That huge one that they mm-hmm. put on Letty May's stomach. Yes. So those are actually the writer of this episode, Chris Offit, has a, a unique interest in crone stones and yeah. for his whole life has been collecting stones with holes in them that naturally have a ah. hole in the center. So he has this large collection. He wrote them into the episode and they used... Chris Offit's Crone Stones for that scene. so cool. Yeah, I think that's really fun. I know. I think that's really fun. And I guess that he gave one to the director at the end. Yes. You know, thank you for being here. Yeah. And I think they're, you know, they're meant to be lucky and also, you know, um, associated with spirits and things like that. So it fit right into this story. And I love that he drew from his own experience with that. Yeah, that's really neat. Speaking of yeah. unexperience and belief, <laughs> right? Like, Ooh, well, we, we officially meet Miss Jeanette this mm. episode. Um, and, you know, at this point, we're not sure if she's legit or if mm-hmm. she's a con artist or what she's peddling or if it's a little of both. And mm-hmm. again, we'll have Aisha on uh, today to talk more about what she saw in this character. Oh, that's but, yeah, so interesting to hear yeah. from her. But it's it's it is really remarkable how Miss Jeanette pins Tara and Miss and Letty May, you know, to a T. She can see mm-hmm. right inside, see their vulnerabilities, mm-hmm. and sort of know exactly what to say. Mm-hmm. I think even Tara, this episode, unwittingly, I think, sort of defines her experience as well. Is one of my favorite lines from the episode as well. How would you know something like that? No daddy and a drunk mom. All to fix and fail to me. Mm. You know, to me, there's something about that, that, yeah, all the fixing falls to Tara. Yeah, she's always got to keep it together. And she doesn't ever receive. She's always the one having to take control, to be on guard, to keep everyone else um, balanced as best she can. Yeah. And then, you know, to, to, to bring belief into it once again, that belief that if she didn't do the fixing, if she didn't mm-hmm. take care of it, that everything would fall apart is mm. so strong in her. Yeah. That letting that go and maybe letting Sam care for her or, you know, letting her mother make her own choices and her mm-hmm. own failure. You know, it, it's so hard to let go of that when as a child that was rooted so deeply Within her character. Yeah, from the moment you're born. Routina plays it so beautifully. Mm. Yeah. And, yeah and, and even the fact that that line, that Tara, you know, Routina doesn't play it with Tara being aware of what that means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's right. just an irony to her. Right. But as we watch it back now and we feel the subtext of what Routina brings to it, you go, mm-hmm. God, that is, that is her actual subconscious screaming you know like help me that is her achilles heel yeah yeah and miss jeanette you know if we were all wondering if she's a con artist Mm. she really is accurate with tara Mm -hmm. when she she knows what's happening with this person when she knows her mother so she knows Mm -hmm. you know a lot about what's coming into this and Mm -hmm. and she can see how much tara is protecting of herself Mm -hmm. but Um, can't love herself but can't can't fully love herself, um, and it, it's just like any good con artist, mm-hmm. <laughs> therapist, mm-hmm. uh, religious, you know, uh, leader, leader potentially. Yep. You know, they have this insight, and you can choose to use it for good and healing, mm-hmm. or you can choose it to use it for manipulation. Mm-hmm. And I think the wonderful thing about this character of Miss Jeanette is we feel like she does she isn't one or the other. She can use it to make money. And she can use it to genuinely try to help you heal. Yeah. I mean, it really is the placebo effect, right? It's it's a valid thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a valid like Something like 40% of people get well from yeah. the sugar pill. Yeah. Because our belief is that 
powerful. Our belief and, you know, is that powerful. We get into this, but you know that's what acting is in in so many ways. It's a it's yes. a belief in story and a belief in character. Yes, you know I I always liken it to. You know, when you are a little kid lying in yeah. bed and you hear a noise in the hallway. And, you and it's know an alligator. Your, your parents told you it's just an old house and it makes noises. Yes. But you know, and your palms start to sweat and yes. your heart starts to beat faster. And you experience genuine fear, even though you know it's fiction. Yes. And to me, acting is just doing that on purpose. Acting yes. is just believing in the monster so that your body and your mind responds that's uh, it yeah and so you know i think in, in many ways miss Jeanette is an acting coach <laughs> she's just yes. helping letty may and tara believe that they can be well that they can get past these struggles yes and like you said any good therapy religion what have you is doing that for you and with you. you yeah yeah and that, why shouldn't she get paid and why shouldn't she get paid <laughs> And it resonates all through Aisha when we heard her audition story right from the beginning. You guys, you are in for a treat. Aisha had some really, some gems of stories. That's the best Um, audition story. (laughs) One of the best. That's one of the best. Yeah. So yeah, let's jump right to it. I mean, we are thrilled to welcome Aisha Hines to the podcast. She plays Miss Jeanette, Mm -hmm. uh, a pivotal character in season one. She also goes by another name, which you'll learn later. Mm -hmm. She has a very impressive resume, stage and screen, and it, it shows in the superb performance that she gives. So let's jump on in. Yeah, so good. Well, thank you so much, first of all, for coming and chatting to us. We couldn't do a first season look back without speaking to Miss Jeanette. <laughs> Aisha <laughs> thank you Hines. for including me. Thank you yeah. so much for including me. That was really, really nice of you guys. Um, it, I had the best time, a, a really great time um, being really on good. that show. And it was really like sort of transformational for my life being on that show. I didn't even realize um, wow. what was happening or what would happen as a result of being on even just that one season of the show. So I'm glad that you guys reached back for me and included me in this look back. <laughs> well, you did an incredible job. I mean, Kristen and I now, we, you know, we're watching the show like five times now <laughs> preparing for all of this. And it's such a pleasure to watch your mm-hmm. scenes. And, you know, there's this wonderful twist to it. It's just a really amazing story about the power of belief and right. all of those kinds of stories. So, yeah, I mean, we usually to start with how'd you get the role? Do you remember mm-hmm. what your I casting do. Was? And I don't remember a lot of like auditions or like, <laughs> sure. you know, like you, you or like the minutia or the like the small details. But this one in particular, I did because there was so little huh. that made sense on the page, mm. <laughs> you know, because the audition material, I remember, was the exorcism Right. It um, was. So it was written in this gibberish. And so I was like, wait, what how am I what am I saying? What what's happening no. here? Oh and so it gosh. talked about the materials that Miss Jeanette was gathering. It described that. And then it was just like gibberish on the page. And then I got the sense that she was performing this exorcism. So I remember vividly I would have like my friends, you know, kind of read lines with me and read off screen with me to you know to like help learn lines and so I was just gathering stuff from around my house and I had like this this vase from probably like pier one that had like these wooden decorative sticks and I was like you know what give me that and so I'm just like I'm like gathering stuff and using it and just and I, I remember telling myself Aish this is going to either be like the silliest you'll ever look <laughs> Or you book the job, <laughs> you know, because it was yeah. like, you got to go full out, you know, yeah. you can't like try to ground gibberish. You just <laughs> have to like commit to it and make it as if you know what you're saying. Oh, and so, um, and so that's, I did that with my friend and it was, you know, it was so much fun. And she was like, what are you going to do in the room? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Cause I don't really know what they want. I'm going to bring <laughs> the sticks and <laughs> I'm going to bring. So I literally brought the sticks. You did. I, I was I wondering. Brought the sticks into the audition. I know. And I remember Junie and Libby were in the room and Alan Ball was in the room. And, <gasps> and I was like, 
Balls to the wall at this, you know what I mean? What do you, what do you have to lose when it's like Ramda Glassa Bapa Ramba on the page? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I literally go into the room and I mean straight faced because at this point I don't know the twist that's coming for her, right. you know. Uh, so I'm committed to who she says she is and what she right. says she's going to do. Straight face, like delivered this like seance in the room, got down on my knees. I remember it was just like a beautiful <laughs> office with like palm trees out the window. Yeah. It was nothing of the actual atmosphere that it would land in. But I created the world for myself in my mind and in the space that I had. And I remember doing that. And they literally, I remember looking back like so stunned, like she really did do that. <laughs> and but I love that very that has currency after. with them. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did too. That's yeah. why I appreciated it so much. And that same currency, I think, traveled throughout my experience on the show. And I think for yeah. others as well, you know, mm, you can yeah. attest to that, you know, in that they did afford a lot of of empowerment for people to inhabit the characters and the roles that you know they gave them and yeah. and really you know allowed people to 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 fill the world that they created in Bontom, you know yeah. and so it was the first time in my career at that point that i felt free to embody a character and try things and do things you know for the most part i and which is why i approached it as like well i don't know what they want you know because i mm-hmm. always in my mind thought that i had to walk into the room and give them what they want as opposed oh. to like what i imagined or you know what i mean and so it was helpful mm-hmm. that there weren't any words on the page right. because then i could imagine a world for her and and you know and and an aesthetic for her and a and a rhythm for her and a voice for her and a walk, you know, and so they supported that and encouraged it, you know, Ugh. and then brought in directors that that helped to facilitate that. And so it set a bar for me, honestly, you know, like, oh, oh, this is this is a, this is a thing and this is possible, you know, yeah. and I think that it was definitely a groundbreaking time um, in television in in terms of like doing programming and shows that you know that did push the envelope a little bit and yeah. and talked about things you know in a in a very provocative way you know mm-hmm. so yeah it, it, it i remember getting the call that i got in the job and that's where the real fear <laughs> began because i was like okay yeah. what what <laughs> what do oh, we do now like yes, how do we actually make this <laughs> but i love that you have that feeling of like authorship a little bit over yeah, your yeah, character yeah. and show. not yeah. not to take anything away from the right, writers but I feel yeah. that too that it felt so collaborative that I feel a sense that I I helped create her it wasn't yeah. just saying someone else's words and I Kristen had these so we were curious about like the limp and the voice and like is that mm-hmm. all you or was that on the page I, be, I if I remember I think there was something that informed it on the page. Mm -hmm. And then I just, you know, continue to sort of lean into it. And, um, and I remember when, when, when I watched it back, I was like, I'm so grateful that they gave her something and allowed me to sort of lean in and create it. I do remember that they had talked about her using a stick to walk, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think I imagine that obviously if there's a stick involved, then, there must be, you know, some kind of physical limitation that also yeah. corroborates with that, you know. And mm-hmm. so it 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 just gave it another layer of what made Miss Jeanette unique from from Nancy, you know, yeah. and any mm-hmm. other thing that I had ever done um, yeah. after or before. Yeah. Wow. I was Googling you. You played as you so do. many as you do in preparation. You've done so many. Yeah. The powerful source of information. So many great roles. You worked with Anthony Hemingway. I don't know if you got to A work with him on True Blood as well, but you worked with him on that Underground. That is where I met the love of my life, Anthony oh. Hemingway. Oh, isn't he? I met him on True Blood. On True Blood. And oh. I, again... I don't remember a lot of, you know, when you do, when you have a career of, and, and because sometimes working on different shows and projects, yeah. interactions can be so transactional, you yeah. know, um, relationships, you know, can, can sort of move very fluidly and fast. But I remember 
working with Anthony, I remember being on that bus. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember him coming in and he just is a light in any Isn't space he? that he enters, you know, yes. and just brings such a, a joy and an ease. Mm-hmm. And I remember him as one of the directors who was really empowering and also had ideas and thoughts mm-hmm. and I remember him saying to me, you know, and he it's almost like he gave me an analogy for for one of the moments. And it, mm. it was kind of like, you know, when you go to the store and it's like, you know, $5.99.99, you know, you know that you're getting over <laughs> on some. And I remember him giving me that note, you know, in um in relationship to delivering the cost of the seance to to, right. to um Retina's character, Tara. Oh, that's a great and note. so um, but that's where we met and we just continued our relationship onwards. But wow. True Blood was where <laughs> we met. Where it all began. And now we're True Blood. <laughs> yes, now you are truly True Blood. That's amazing. Oh, I love to hear that. And, you know, we that's not the first story we've heard, too, of people who were together on True Blood. And because of the atmosphere on that set, found a creative, you know, connection and carry that forward. And I'm so happy. Like, that's really the best thing I think that can come out of this is, is real connection and a chance to continue to make great work. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, you know, when table reads were a thing, Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. the table reads for True Blood was, was almost like Thanksgiving dinner, you know? Well, especially on a show that felt like we had four different shows going on at the same time. 1,000%. To be able to like meet you when we yep. would never have worked with you. Exactly. Right? It's amazing. Exactly. I had never worked really with um Stephen Moyer and Anna Paquin, you know, who, right. who uh played Bill and Sookie, but I saw them at a table read and then, you know, I remembered meeting them and they were so different from the characters <laughs> you know that they played and they were so sweet so yeah talk to us a little bit about miss jeanette and once you're you know you're in these scenes and you're starting to get the fuller picture um you know, what was it that sort of excited you or scared you or you know about kind of stepping into that role i think what started to excite me and scare me at the same time <laughs> was vacillating between like how much of this is true for her Mm -hmm. um and how much of this she's sort of manipulating you know what Mm -hmm. i mean and understanding how much she can sort of take people's faith and be perverse with it you know essentially Mm -hmm. you know what i mean in order Mm -hmm. to get what she needs in the moment you know but again because i didn't know the twist that was happening later I was completely buying into um, her being either a woman of real faith and knowing how to manipulate it so that people could, you know, could be healed of whatever it is that they're that they're that they're dealing with. Or she was just genuinely, you know, like a con artist. And I just didn't want to have her just be a con artist. So I was like, no, she's, she's, she believes this is, you know, authentically doing some good. Like she has to, like, she cannot be manipulated, you know? And so I was (laughs) kind of happy when, you know, when I saw Adina's character, you know, come up from underneath that disease of, of, of addiction and, and Miss Jeanette sort of maybe had a hand in that, you know, yeah. and she was able to also sort of identify um, Tara's, you know, issues yes. and 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 encourage yeah. her to sort of look at what may be at the root. And it might not be as obvious as like alcoholism or, yeah. you know what I mean? But like yeah. there's some level of broken, you know what I mean? And so yeah. I really valued her, 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 her insight and her ability to mm-hmm. to sort of see deeper you know and so I really like that but at the same time I was like but that's also the ability of a car nodder so it's both (laughs) you know yeah you can be like therapist or con artist yeah yeah so I was like I don't know where this is gonna go but I really hope she's a good person (laughs) she's not just (laughs) that's interesting you You didn't know that whole time yeah I didn't know for a while she is laser precise she really does she is laser precise there's a there's a show there but she was a (laughs) hundred percent right about Tara that she said look in the mirror and see if you can count to 10 I mean that was really perceptive yeah and I also think that and that I think too 
was the ability for people to see in others yeah. crystal clear some things that they yeah. may be struggling with or may have struggled with. You know what I right. mean? So I get the sense because then when it is revealed, all the things that Miss Jeanette was and Nancy was was dealing with, you know, mm-hmm. being a mom and a grandma and having, you know, a child in yeah. prison and another, you know yeah. what I mean? Like when you, when you have that load, you know, you're, you're desperate, you know? And yeah. so then it, for me, it ignited or, you know, unlocked, uncovered a whole nother backstory that led her and her family to those circumstances. So I'm like, there must be right. something that she sees in Tara that she herself, yeah. you know, yeah. um, connects and, you know, and, and she sees happening inside of her. And so she's able to say, you know, yeah, look in the mirror. I, I know exactly what you're going through. Yeah. Yes. Well, we, we spoke with Adina about, you know, her work on Letty May and she, you know, she had this incredible insight, which is that the, like most addictions, that's the symptom and that she's dealing with depression and poverty and racism mm-hmm. and sexism. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. her whole life is sort of led her to this point. And I think, I think you're right that, that Nancy, mm-hmm. <laughs> again, fascinating to hear that you, you didn't know going in, but it plays so clearly, you know, I, yeah, I don't yeah. feel like there was a, I don't feel a stutter step in there at all as mm. I watch it. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting. You were toying with that line of wondering how, how genuine she was or how accurate. Yeah. Um, I suspect most therapists feel that way actually, right? Like they're wondering. Am I a fraud? Or Yeah. <laughs> am I a fraud? I mean, I've got a piece of paper, but I, yeah, is this right. me that I'm projecting onto the person? And I, I hope yeah. I, I'm helping them and I am collecting a fee and, yeah. you know, and so then when you got that scene in the pharmacy, what did you think when you saw that? Cause it really, in some minds could have confirmed that she was a little bit of a fraud, but she, she wasn't. Mm. Right. It was both. Yeah. You know, it was, it was yeah. everything that we all deal with. Yeah. I, when I got it, I chuckled and I was like, oh my God. Because <laughs> initially I was like, no. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but then um, when she sort of took up for herself and, 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 and let Tara know, like, this is what my life is. And mm. when Tara threatened to tell Adina, mm. Right. And she let her know, like, there's no value in blowing my cover to your mother because Mm -hmm. that'll just blow up everything that she's experiencing right now, you know, and there is value in what I did for her. And so accept that and, you know, and, and, and be okay with that. But it, it, it did make me feel like there was an authenticity and I don't think she was intentionally trying to be like a scam artist. I think Mm -hmm. she was, she was, she was mindful about what she could do in order to help her family tried it. It worked. And then she was like, maybe I'll keep doing this thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I do think that she, I do think that, she did have some kind of, you know, um, sixth sense and insight and sort of uh, 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 postured it in a way that was helpful to others as opposed to, right. you know, sort of keeping it to herself. Because I think we all have, yeah. you know, just an innate sense, mm-hmm. you know, on on how to see people and, and see mm-hmm. ourselves in others and help people to see themselves, you know. Yeah. And so I think she understood how to make it valuable for for not just herself, but for them. And I think that's what that scene in the drugstore um, kind of told me. I think she has a line, is it faith is a powerful thing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. and you mentioned faith in your life. It's it's the powerful thing. Mm. It is a powerful thing. And it's, and what I think um, Tara was sort of, you know, hit with is like, what do I do here? You know, did this Mm. woman, is this woman, is, is this a perversion of faith or is she using faith as a prop Mm -hmm. or, you know, 
is is there really power, you know, mm-hmm. embedded in this faith, you know, and I think all things sort of happened all at the same time. And right. you kind of have to look at the outcome, you know, right. is it producing yeah. good? Right. You know, and yeah. so just allow it to do so, you know, and, and over overthinking it or trying to expose, I guess, the wrong thing, you know, there's no there's no value in that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and but when I heard and when I read that line, um, I, it, it really stuck with me then and it still sticks with me now every time I hear it, you know, and, and I think it gives people pause, you know, mm-hmm. to to yeah. kind of think about what that means for them. Right. Yeah. What's well, amazing as an actor, too, because I think so much of our life, our job is about power mm-hmm. of belief, right? And mm-hmm. we, yes. Can we believe that we are Jessica Hamby, who is a vampire in this mm-hmm. world? You know, and yeah. that's mm-hmm. part of what our work is. We have to mm-hmm. believe with all mm-hmm. of our heart. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, with your Pier 1 sticks in an office. <laughs> yes. That, that, like, you you have, have to believe. I right? had to believe with all of my heart. Well, like and it got you the in. job, right? right. Yeah. Right. Like you just yeah. had to waver on that. Yeah. You had to believe as much as you could. It's amazing to me that you, you, you I mean, you literally just said that you think Miss Jeanette helps people see themselves, which is literally what you did for Tara. That when you have the second exorcism, yeah. she sees herself as a little girl. And it's so incredible watching Routina's work and, and how. Yeah again, complex this character is and mm-hmm. how much you just want her to love herself as much as you love her. <laughs> I know. And for her to see herself as a little girl and have that freeing moment. And I do think Miss Jeanette, Nancy, yeah, gave that to her. Was a vessel in making that happen, yeah. you know? And mm-hmm. I think that just in in life, in our life experiences, <sighs> un un unexpected vessels can sometimes come into our lives and help us to see ourselves or, you know, a previous version of ourselves or, or, you know, like that little girl. And, and there's value in that. When you start to connect the dots of how your childhood um, experiences and traumas, you know, impact you and live with you and inform who you are as an adult, you know, it all starts to make sense, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you see the final product of, or or you see the present product of Tara and then realize like, oh my God, at one point she was this tender, soft little girl, yeah. you know? And this, that was not that, you know? And yeah. so something in between there created that or something at this point you know, in her life and in her in her childhood um, later became and created that. And so giving her um, a path to look back and 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 see this little girl mm-hmm. and address it, you know, because she goes after it. And she, it's it's yeah. almost like I think she took like a, a, a something, a weapon yeah. or something, you know, to kind of kill the pain, I think, or kill, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Deal with yeah. and confront the darkness or the trauma, the experience that 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 impacted that little girl so that she could free that little girl, the innocent little girl yeah. to now exist in the world separate from that darkness, you know, which then yes. gives her the adult an opportunity to be free of that as well. Yeah, those scenes must oh. have been really <sighs> something to film. Like, was that bus? at Greer <laughs> or where where were you it was at Greer and I will have you know <laughs> it actually I think was two places so I think I think we started actually in the woods somewhere okay right. and I think they I think they because and I think they built it out did they build it out I can't remember, but but what I do remember <laughs> is that once we got to the stage and built the bus on the stage, it yeah. was so small inside of there. Oh. So the actors barely fit in there. So right. imagine oh. crew fitting and camera. Oh my and goodness. Oh. So and then Get the some- candles were yes. real. Oh. <laughs> it gets real so intimate I'm real fast. Performing yeah. Performing a seance over oh. Routina. 
And I all of a sudden feel heat on my back. Oh, <laughs> and my this goodness. really happened. I'm bent over and my wardrobe is in oh. the candle oh. on fire on oh. this bus. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I, at that point, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Is this like, is Miss Jeanette really? <laughs> Like, lines have crossed here. Like, You're like, I'm not really feeling feels, this. And yeah, then they came in with a fire extinguisher. Yes, yes. Oh if, my if I'm not gosh. wrong, I think someone must have been like beating down my back. It was, and oh I think it was Anthony's gosh. episode. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, okay, all right, okay. So you were probably freezing can't. at Greer and then on fire <laughs> and then on fire. <laughs> All the extremes. That is dedication. Oh my gosh. It must have been something. Were there it moments? Was so many levels. Where you there was so many levels. And I don't know if there was space to here and there just laugh and go, this is my job. <laughs> this is actually what I do for a living. Playing a vampire, I had many moments like that where I was like, this is ridiculous and awesome and fun, but like God, I mean, Deb laughed at me, at me, so hard one night, me trying to pull off this thing that they wrote, right? That she had tears. Her neck was wet with tears. It was so ridiculous, the stuff we did. Oh, my goodness. And, and God love actors because you take your pure one sticks in that room and then you're on the set on fire and you just yeah. keep going. Like you probably didn't even call cut. Like someone had to come no, in and put you out. No. You were committed. You were committed. And yeah. that is the power of belief. That's yes. Right. Power you're of so belief. deep in it. Yes. <laughs> you're, God, I love us. I really um. do. The power uh, of belief. I mean, yeah, you're like literally. six years old and you're <laughs> pretending you're a flight attendant or whatever. Yep. Yep. This was so much fun, Aisha. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm I, so glad we got to get it done. And yeah, this is me a too. Grand. I can't wait to listen to everybody else's stories and stuff. And you guys it's were been awesome. So fun. I mean, everybody, <laughs> the consistent refrain is just the 100% effort that every single person put into this from crew to production staff yeah. to actors to director. I mean, everyone comes in and just talks about the incredible amount of thought that went into it. And mm. I can see why it was a hit and why yeah, we all like each right. other so much. It showed up. It showed up it on did. the screen for I know sure. People say you the are word family a lot. Yeah. Yes. When you, you are no ex exception to any of that. Yeah. So thank you for sharing with us. Thank you. And again, thank you for including me in this. That was so wonderful to hear <laughs> the way she puts things. I made oh. notes just for my life, like this unexpected vessels. Oh, I mean, really, uh, the, her her language is so specific. It's yeah. so detailed. Yes. Um, and again, you know, to be able to highlight these actors, these characters that do mm. smaller arcs, but bring everything to it. Yes. To hear her audition story, all of it oh. was fascinating to me. Fascinating. She got lit on fire for this show. <laughs> Truvad lit her on fire. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, oh. what an amazing person. And and again, if we weren't doing this podcast, I wouldn't get to know her. And wouldn't get to know these stories. And, you know, I, I'm so happy we can have this compilation. It's like, I feel like a, an archaeologist, you know, like it's know. it's history that now gets to be saved and shared. Yes. What is that? It's a time capsule, but yeah. there's so many of these stories that just would have not, they would have gone to dust. So this is so fun. <laughs> Well, next week on Truest Blood, the remarkable Stephen Root is going to join us and we'll discuss all things Eddie Fournier. Oh, the best vampire. <laughs> and we examine the deeply rooted fantasies of our characters and how yeah. reality can shatter those fantasies in a heartbeat. An undead heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for listening, Truby. Subscribe and follow wherever you listen to your podcasts and we'll see you next week. Y'all come back now, you hear. 
Truest Blood is produced by Safe Haven for HBO Max. Executive producers are Janina Gavonkar, Kristen Bauer, and Deborah Ann Wool. Our producer is Gabrielle Galan, and our audio producer is Christopher Wool. Our theme song was recorded just for this podcast by Jace Everett. Additional music was composed by Timo Chen. And remember, you can watch all of the original episodes of True Blood on HBO Max. Hacks is coming back, and so is the official Hacks podcast. With us, your hosts. I'm Paul W. Downs. I'm Jen Statsky. And I'm Lucia Aniello. We're the creators and showrunners. Each week on the podcast, we'll break down the new episodes. We'll also have special guests, cast and crew from the show like Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart. Hacks Season 3 is available to stream now on Max. Be sure to listen wherever you get your podcasts or listen directly on Max.